Quick question before we get started. We live in a coastal community, right? We get storms all the time. Had a couple big ones come through just recently, right? We're going to look at some storms that could come into your life, and we're going to be going through the the piece of scripture in Matthew 14, if you'll turn there with me, uh, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. And even though this is a smaller section of scripture, it's, it just has so much meat in it and so much to teach us. So I just want to dive into this real quick, but let's pray real fast before we do. Dear the Father, I just thank you so much just for the opportunity to, for all of us to just be here, Lord, and just to learn, learn from you, Father, and learn from your word. And God, I just I ask above all things that you hide me behind your cross, Father, and that, that you lead, um, and that you have the plan for all of our lives, Lord, and that, we, that you just prepare our hearts for, for what you have for each and every one of us, myself included, Father, and just continue to guide us and bless us through all that we do. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 14, Jesus walks on the sea. In chapter 22, or verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you and walk on the water. So he said, Come. And Peter had come down out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, we all go through storms. We all go through trials. But if you remember what happened right before this, they just fed the 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. They just all witnessed a, a miracle. How easy would it have been for them to stay on the shore, not go across the sea, but bask in the glory of God that, of the miracle he just provided? I think it, in my own opinion, I think it's for a very specific reason that he had them immediately get up and leave. What happens when we get comfortable? We tend to get in a little rut. Things kind of just keep going the same thing over and over and over. You go to your job every day. You wake up every morning. You go to school if you're in class, if you're a student. You have the same routine. Routines can be our downfall, guys. Because if we don't have the right routine that includes God in each and every aspect of our lives, we're just spinning our wheels. We're not moving forward. So what he tells them to do is, I want you to get up and I want you to go. I want you to leave the people that you just helped and meet me on the other side. I'll be with you. And so Jesus wanted to show them 
or the disciples themselves, his glory. He wants the church to see his glory. But Jesus tells them, like I said, to go to the other side. And he knew in the middle of the lake there was going to be a storm. He knew what was going to happen. God knows the different struggles in our lives. He knows the trials you're going through. He's in it with you, whether you can see him or not. Sometimes the fury of the storm gets to be so rough and, and violent, it's sometimes hard to see your way through it clearly and, and see God in it. But that's the most important time that we have to cling to him as Christians and as believers. So I wanted to tell you that there's no glory if we don't first pass through the cross. That's number one. If we don't pass through Jesus Christ, we're not going to heaven. We're not, we don't have that glory. We're not going to get to be a part of it or witness it or experience it. So there's no glory if we don't pass through the cross first. There's no victory without battles. Think about that. No victory without battles first. There's no revival without trials. How many times do we go through the same thing over and over, deal with the same temptation or the same sin, the same battle over and over and over? You don't have victory without that battle, right? If everything was perfect, like it was meant to be, there wouldn't be a need for a Savior. Everything would have been perfect. But when sin got introduced into the world, we, we needed saving, guys. We needed someone that could cover us because we couldn't do it ourselves. They tried it with animal sacrifices. That was temporary. It wasn't until Jesus Christ that that perfect lamb came to sacrifice himself for us to, to pave the way to walk on that water first, to calm those storms for us. But what happens sometimes when you go and talk to people that are in those trials and you mention God? You get met with anger sometimes. I get it all the time. People come up to me and ask me, well, if your God is so good, why, why does he let children have cancer? Why does he let this bombing happen? Why doesn't he protect these people? I don't have the answer to that. But I tell you what, I serve the one who does. God knows, and he has a plan. And just because my idea of my plans doesn't fit in line with his, who's wrong in that equation, God or me? I'm putting limitations on God. I'm trying to put him in a box based on how he serves me, and it's wrong. Instead, I used to always ask myself the question. You may fall in the same boat. I used to ask, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why is my family having to go through this? Why do I have to experience this? And God very quickly reminded me, why not you? As I was asking the wrong question. It's not why me, it's why not you? Why shouldn't I experience it? Because guys, what's the purpose of trials? To draw you closer to the Father. So we're going to look at four things. That, are, that popped out to me while I was doing the study here. In the midst of the toughest trials, we can be sure of the four things. The first one is, is Jesus allows the storms. It's not the cause of them, but he allows the events get set in motion that bring up these different storms and these trials. In verse 22, it literally, he, Jesus caused his disciples to enter the boat. He told them, go, knowing full well that when they hit the middle of the lake, there was going to be a storm. I mean, who wouldn't want to have stayed on shore? We talked about it earlier. And just stayed safe, comfortable, relaxed, full bellies. Instead, he's like, nope, I want you to go. I need you to go across. I have something to show you. 
So Jesus knows perfectly what's going to be coming into your life. He knew the storm they were going to go through. He knows what troubles you're going to have at work tomorrow or at school or when or the friend you are haven't talked to in a while. He knows exactly what's going on. But are you going to let him work through your life through it? So remember, number one, Jesus allows the storms. Jesus, this is a note I wrote down that I thought was worth bringing up. Many times God is going to send us into the storm of trials to free us from a storm of temptations. Let me read that one more time. Many times God is going to send us into a storm of trials to free us from a storm of temptations. You may have a certain temptation or a certain vice, something that's got a hold of you and a, a grip in your life, and it just seems like things are going wrong, one thing after another, after another, after another. And then people ask me, well, man, I've been praying for patience, and I tell you what, I, I don't sleep at night, the kids are always up, they're getting sick. I was like, well, congratulations, that's exactly what you prayed for. We pray for things, and then... The answer may not be how we think it's going to come. We pray for patience thinking, okay, well, God's just going to allow me to be able to endure. Absolutely he is. But the way he does that is you go through different things that are going to test your patience. When you have something that you're praying for specifically, he's going to give you opportunities to go through situations to learn exactly what you're asking for. And the question is, is are we going to let it impact us? Are we going to take the hint that he keeps showing and throwing in our face day in and day out? Jesus is more interested in our personal growth than our personal comfort. He wants our spiritual growth to be up here, not our comfort. Our comfort doesn't matter. You always hear pastors say that being comfortable is dangerous. And they're absolutely right. When we get comfortable, we get complacent. We're not striving for the things of God. We're not looking for his will because things aren't difficult. A lot of times it takes that storm to remind us, I don't have this under control. I have a father in heaven who does, and I've got to rely on him. The second thing is Jesus intercedes for us. He's done it from the beginning. From the sacrifice that he made on that cross was to intercede for us when we have to go and stand before judgment. We're all going to face judgment, but the difference between a believer and a non-believer, a non-believer doesn't have Jesus Christ to intercede for them. But the believer has Jesus Christ right there. You're bathed in his blood. You're washed white. You're clean. The Bible says Jesus is our intercessor, and he's always interceding for us. He wasn't taken surprised by the storm. He was looking at them from the mountaintop, praying for them as they were about to go through their storm. And number three, Jesus will come to us in his time. His will will be revealed to you in his time. His plan, his purpose is his timing, not ours. Now, that's the most frustrating time in a Christian's life is when you pray, you're in the middle of that storm, it's pouring, the tears are flowing, and you're on your knees. And you get the answer, just wait. Just wait. 
You see all this pain and all this heartache and all this anguish. And he knows you're going through it and it breaks his heart. But he tells you, just wait. That's when it gets frustrating for us because we, we live in a day and age that everything's at our fingertips. We can go on Amazon and order just about anything. I think it should be a rule. You shouldn't be allowed to Google anything that you can't spell because Google will fill it in for you. And then you're learning about stuff that you probably shouldn't be looking at anyway because you don't understand how to spell it to begin with. We have such an advantage in this day and age to get access to anything and everything we could possibly want. Doesn't make it a good thing. Because a lot of times we get so bogged down with all the information that we're getting from every aspect and every corner of the world that we forget what's going on right in front of us. That friend that needs an encouraging word. A family member that doesn't know God. And instead, we'd like to go and just look up on how to do it instead of actually doing it. So why would Jesus come to them walking on water? Have you ever thought about that while reading this scripture? Why did he walk on the water? And the only thing I could get through the prayer and the studying was to show them in the moment of what they were fearing the most, which was the storm and the waves and the wind, thinking the boat's going to go down, they're going to capsize. He comes walking on top of all of it. It's all under his feet. You see the picture he was painting? He was in control the whole time. The waves didn't matter. The wind didn't matter. The rain didn't matter to him. He's just walking right through it. It was a corridor, a passageway to go to where they were. So what are you most afraid of? Is it financial problems? Family problems? Physical problems? Emotional problems? Whatever it is, believe it's under Jesus' feet. And he's in control. And he is standing on top of it. He knows what's going on in your hearts and your lives. Sometimes it just takes us taking a back seat and letting him drive for a while. Number four, the storm makes us grow in faith. Jesus makes us participate in his glory. Verses 28 and 32, it's uh, the great Peter. He's very impulsive. He immediately leaps from the boat. And the waters were like concrete up under him. He could stand on it. When Peter said something, though, he, he asked a question. If you are, guys, faith in Christ is the goal. Peter had it. That's how he was able to jump out of the boat and stand on water. If someone dared to do such a thing nowadays, what would it look like? What would walking on water today look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. It's the husband that takes the time in the morning to go in his closet or kneel at his bed and pray for his family. It's the wife that prays for the husband while he's out working. The kids that help their family, help their parents. It's saying that encouraging word to your friend that you hear that little voice in your head saying, tell him I love him. That's what walking on water looks like today. It's stepping out on faith. 
and believing that God, he's standing on top of all of it. He's, he's got this. He's got you. We just have to take that step and move. Just like the, he told the disciples, he goes, go. He told them to go, they went. God may be telling you to do something tonight. To talk to someone, a work relationship, a, a friend, a family member, someone you know struggling that needs an encouraging word, that needs to hear from God's word. It's up to you. God's calling. Are we going to answer? So whatever storm you're going through, you can be sure that Jesus knows about it. And while you're in the place of turmoil, just the struggle, he's in the place of intercession for you. He doesn't abandon you. He doesn't forget about you. He's interceding on your behalf while you're going through your trials, while you're going through these difficult things. And he'll come to you in his time, not yours. He'll use the storm to make you grow in faith and so that you can see the glory of God in your own life. But most important, you get to see God's glory and his work in your life. There's nothing more fulfilling than that. So remember, whatever you're going through, whatever struggles, financial, personal, family, friends, God's on top of it. Just take that step out of faith and let him lead. Take the back seat for a while. Let's pray.